these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Welcome in to everyone's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Phil Mackey, Kyle Tige, and we found someone to raise the intelligence and entertainment level of the show, Jim Peterson in the house on Flagrant House. Happy to be here. Two Jim, my uh, last... <laughs> Kyle and producer Ross. Yep, and then... that's it. <laughs> so uh, last night, thousands of people streamed into Target Center to watch Luca. And they were disappointed for the first two hours until they got the real Luca experience at the end of that game. So any fan who so went, fan to, Target who went to Target Center to watch Luca came away happy last night. Yeah, I'm always happy when Luca Garza gets to play for a number of reasons. I, you know, and, and I was kind of commenting on this last night is that, you know, he's really impressed us all with his skill level. And obviously we were all impressed when he played at Iowa and when the Wolves acquired him after his uh, time spent with the Detroit Pistons, I was like, you know, just watching him in practice and seeing how his skill level and how hard he's worked at his game. Like, what is his career arc going to be? Like, I'm, I'm worried about that. You know what I mean? I actually think about like, you know, is he going to be an NBA player? Is he going to get rotational minutes? Um, every time he comes in, he performs, um, he he's worked so hard at his game and he's so humble about every, the way he goes about his business. He just shows up every day and does his work. And when he gets a chance, he performs. So it was fun last night and the fans love him. I think uh, it was Jace Frederick that had sort of a power ranking of Timberwolves <laughs> players who are fans, you know, the fans favorites. And, you know, of course, uh, Anthony Edwards, Nas reader on the list, but Luca Garza is right there. I would add also add Jordan, McLaughlin as well. J-Mac is also a fan favorite. Uh, Well, first off, as Jim, you listen to this, I know, and we're very appreciative. We don't do a lot of prep, but I did a lot of prep for this. So happy February. It's your birthday month. So you got a big birthday coming up. But um, just for like, you know, not to get too personal, but it it was in the news. And I think you've been pretty open about it. We talk about it on here a lot, Phil and I, with what's going on with our families or my job. So just a quick health update on your end. Everything's good. We're, we're moving forward. We got rid of all the bad stuff, and you're just a healthy, uh, healthy 61-year-old ready to golf? <laughs> yeah. Well, the golfing part's always in the mix. Yeah, no, I'm doing great. You know, it's um, when health concerns happen, they pop up. You know, first of all, I kind of, you know, I had the heart stuff three years ago, and then um, the prostate stuff just recently. You just kind of, you know, it's just like anything else. I, I just kind of deal with it, and I got a great support system. My wife is unbelievable. You guys know Tika Pete. Bill, you've been around her more than you you know how great she is. She's so supportive. And so, yeah, so I'm I'm just lucky to have that support base. And I'm doing great right now. Feel great. Awesome. Yeah, I think fans, it's it, fans appreciate too. Just you've always been open. And I don't know, like we can talk about last night's game and we can get into we we, we have a million things to ask you about. Just like this is the best record the Wolves have had through you know, this amount of games and, and we can talk about all that. And you're going to and you're going to be a recurring guest here on Flagrant Halls too throughout the season. And and we're grateful for that. But just as you look back now, I feel like fans love you. We obviously love you and have a relationship with you. But do you feel that from fans? Like, how would you characterize your relationship with Timberwolves fans over the you know two and a half decades that you've been talking about this team, Jim Pete? Well, I, you know, I, I really do feel it. I do. And, you know, it's mainly because of my Twitter feed. You know, I think that um, I think a lot of times, I mean, there's so much uh, disagreement 
let's say on on Twitter um, <laughs> no. about, about really any topic. Um, and so like I, you know, I, I don't get a lot of negativity on my feed. You know, I, I try to be a positive person. I mean, I try to be um, someone that, you know, is engaging with the fans. I've always done that. I've been, I was that way as a player. I never uh, wanted to ever turn a kid down for an autograph when I played. I, I always feel like when I was a player, I played hard and I, and I feel like I give my all as an analyst too. I've never mailed it in. I've never tried to insult the audience. I've always prepped for games, even during 15 win seasons. I was always looking for that extra nugget to make the game interesting. Cause you know, at the end of the day, we're in the entertainment business, right? So um, it's, it's one thing about winning games, but if you're not going to win games, you better make it entertaining. And so I spent a lot of years focusing on the opponent, <laughs> you know, getting really good at what, at what they were about and bringing out those stories as well as the stories with the wolves. But no, I do feel it. Phil, I, I feel, I feel it. And I've also been really lucky to work with Chad Hartman, um, who was unbelievable when I first started, you know, working with radio, kind of learning the business, starting with radio and learning how to communicate and then working with Hanny, uh, Sean Grandy for a year or two. I was spent one year on TV with Sean and he does a fantastic job with the Boston Celtics, um, you know, working with Hanny for all those years too. And then Ben's and now Michael Grady, who has been, you know, I think we were all kind of sad losing Ben's just because Ben's had spent so much time in the market, 10 years in the market and kind of built up a following and, and really did a great job. But um, if you're going to make a change to get Michael Grady, I just can't imagine anybody better. I mean, his professionalism, um, the, 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 the way that he brings the, the tone and the tenor to his, to the games, um, his sense of humor is just unbelievable how quickly he's embraced the team and, and uh, learning curve. He's a, he's a grinder. I mean, you know, sometimes you guys need to have him on your show too, um, because his story is unbelievable. Like, like the stuff that he was doing, ramping up, leading up to even getting the, the announcer job in the arena for the Pacers and the fever, um, you know, doing radio show, do, you know, doing TV at night on a news broadcast, uh, doing six and 10 reports and putting his own pieces together. Um, Michael Grady has paid his dues and you can tell what the way that he brings it every night. I've, I've said this on this pod and I would say this if I covered the thunder of the Pacers, but obviously you and Grady are the best in the business. My concern is, is that I tuned in once to like CBS sports and he was also doing a San Diego, San Diego state football game. He's on NBA T and or TV. So my concern is like, what do we need to do as a collective here and as a fan base to make sure we don't lose Grady? Like, do you want me to raise money or what do you want me to do? Because you can't <laughs> go fund I'm, me. I'm not having you learn another teammate again. Like the chemistry between you two. I mean, this is year two of the Gobert Towns experiment, but it's also year two of the Jim and Grady experiment. And it continues to be rave reviews. And I know that chemistry is hard to develop. So what's been something that's kind of stood out about working with him these last two years? Well, you know, the, the, the part about keeping him, you know, um, he came from Brooklyn where Ian Eagle um, is doing the job there. And so Mike Breen is in the same market, you know, working with the Knicks. So uh, people are worried about him going national. But Kevin Harlan is really like the only guy that just kind of does just national broadcast because he does football, mm-hmm. too. Um, he's got he's got a lot of, you know, irons in the fire. He's also doing NFL radio, too. So he's got a lot of things going on. Uh, but like. You know, if you're going to be a national broadcaster and he could, Michael could easily, and he's already doing NBA TV. In fact, he's not doing the game on Friday. Marnie's sitting in for Michael on Friday um, because he's doing an HB, 
uh, CU game for CBS. So um, he's going to be away for that national broadcast. Um, and it's really like it's a feather in his camp. He can do both things. I don't I don't think I think he really likes it here. He's really embraced Minnesota. I think that Alex and Mark are, are super committed to like trying to keep him here, too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think I think that he's going to be here for a while. I don't think he's going anywhere unless, you know, obviously some other team could jump for someone like him. But I mean, how often does that really happen? How often do yeah. you see a local broadcaster jump ship and go to a different team? Joel Myers has done it. You know, he's with New Orleans now. But um, Joel, you know, was with the Lakers. He had been with a few other teams like he's with the San Antonio Spurs, too. So Joel's kind of a, a, a unique individual. But Grady, man, the fans have just loved him up, man. He feels it, too. Like he feels it. And the organization has, you know, our organization has really embraced him. And, you know, Alex and Mark, you know, they are kind of the impetus, I think, of getting him here. And, um, you know, because Alex has the relationship with Yes Network being with the Yankees all those years. And uh, he knew Michael Grady. And so um, I think those guys are very committed to keeping, you know, our team together. Have you been able to spend just yourself much time around Mark and Alex the last couple of years? Um, You know, I have. You know, Alex has been probably more engaging like when he's been around and stuff i don't see mark we don't see mark as much but alex has been super complimentary he's been super helpful um he's also invited us to his home a number of times for some get-togethers that have been more team focused so it's been a it's been a group thing but um it's he's he's been really really you know trying to change the culture you know as much as i love glenn taylor and i owe glenn taylor a ton for First of all, I mean, this is my 26th year. So Glenn has been so kind to me and him, um, him and Becky and, uh, you know, all the things that have been, you know, being with the links, you know, all the jobs that I've had, all the hats that I've worn for this team. I give Glenn Taylor so much credit. Um, Mark and Alex are trying to come in and be uh, team builders as well in their own way. So Glenn did it his way. These guys are doing it a different way. And uh, so, you know, being at, at Alex's house, getting to know them better has been fantastic. And um, I'm sure there will, you know, I've been around Mark. Mark's an idea guy, man. If you guys, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to speak with him at all, but um, he's got, he's got a really great personality and I'm just really excited about the future. They have big plans, you know, um, you know, arena plans, uh, plans for the team, wanting to make things better. And um, I'm here for it. You, you mentioned just kind of the culture, the vibes uh, this season, last season, especially since new ownership. But uh, just, I mean, I always try to say this on the pod. You're traveling with the team and you're so close. You're on the plane, you're on the bus, you're in the hotels. What's the biggest difference you get from this team's vibe this year, this chemistry compared to a year ago when things were a little dicier and it didn't always seem like everyone was on the same page? You know, it's weird. Um, since Finchie's come here, um, you know, he's always been super open. I think the chemistry that he's had with his staff, I think is, is, is always been evident. Um, the relaxed way that he's always been with us. I think the authenticity that he deals with everybody, the members of the media, the players. And, you know, I liked it. I liked so much. And, you know, the microcosm of after the Charlotte game, how, he was so, I mean, open about what he just talked to the players about in the locker room about how disappointed he was. Um, he he doesn't he doesn't hold back, and so what you see in those post game pressers, 
is who he is. I mean, that's that's he 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 doesn't he doesn't change. He's not trying to put on some kind of facade. He's not trying to um, not talk about the elephant in the room. Um, he's going to address things straight on, and his his directness and his honesty and his openness and his intelligence and the uh, the phrases that he uses to. Um, discuss what's going on with the team dynamic is really refreshing. Um, and just the way he's open with, with me and Grady and our broadcast people. I mean, like um, his, his coaching staff, they, they get to have their own leeway. There hasn't all, you know, some of these head coaches have sensibilities about their assistant coaches and what they can and can't do and what they can and can't say. Uh, Finchie gives these guys. I mean, you, Mike Nori's become a he's phenomenon. like a celebrity now. Yeah, yeah. Mike Nori's like a local celebrity. <laughs> he is, and, and so like, and to give Mike a you know that much leeway, and to, and to all the coaches that come on and, and and do the halftime interview with with Katie and now Leah and with Marty in the past, and um, you know these guys can can pretty much say what they want, and so that's that's just super refreshing, and uh, you know it's funny because on the plane. It's it's um, you know Flip used to come back. Flip was great when I was working with Chad and working with Hanny. Um, those guys were such icons too. Um, Flip would come back and we would just you know shoot the breeze you know for half the flight and just talk. Um, Finchie comes back and um, he's basically going back and forth like you know we don't always bother him and stuff like that. But if we stop and ask him a question, he is more than willing to like just give us the lowdown on stuff and. Um, and you know, some of it's broadcast, some of it's not, you know, and he knows he can trust us. And, uh, but it's the sharing of information that is just so, uh, it's so welcome. and so worthwhile. That's why I love Chris Finch. And when I, when I see people talk about, you know, the little blips on them, I mean, you would have thought Kyle that we were three and seven over the past 10 games, the way that people were talking Reach. about Chris. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just insane to me. And if, if you've been around as long as I have been around all the coaches that I've been around, Chris Finch, and I said this when he was hired because uh, just seeing him in training camp, when they first hired him and, and when seeing him in training camp and how, how he operated, but more than anything else, when he first started, the the, the, the firestorm when Gerson Rosas first brought him in when Ryan was fired mm-hmm. um, and he brought, he brought Chris in, um, I'll just tell you this story, but so I was supposed to have breakfast with uh, Gerson Rosas and with, with, with uh, Finchie um, the, the, the day that um, the night, the morning after that, when Gerson was let go. And so that day was, think about how stressful that was the day that Gerson was let go. And I'm supposed to have breakfast with them the next morning, um, the next morning. And I was playing golf with Kevin McHale. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm supposed to have breakfast with Finchie tomorrow. I said, he's probably going to want to cancel. And so he goes, just, he goes, just, just call him. So, so I texted with Finchie. And so he's like, no, come on, come come have breakfast. With <laughs> and so he's an assistant with the Raptors at the time, right? No, 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 no. He was, he was, he was the head coach. It was, it was when, before training camp. It was when Gerson was let go. When, oh, when right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was already, he had already been the head coach, but I'm saying like, with all of that stuff going on, he still wanted to have breakfast with me. Like, like, <laughs> like, like, like I was blown, like that one thing, like I was blown away by that. His willingness to, that's how open this dude is. Like, yeah, I don't know. I think he's special. And and to me, he he's the best coach in Timberwolves history. Now, I, a lot of respect to Flip. I love Flip. I, Rick Adelman was a fantastic coach. Tom Thibodeau, super successful. But like Chris Finch to me is Easily the best coach that the Timberwolves have ever had. 
So I want to pick your brain on that because you see a little bit, right? Like they lose that Hornets game or they lose that Spurs game and it's a lot of, you know, fire finch or people pointing out some offensive things, rotations, certain sets, you know, running sometimes three, four non-shooters out there. So I get some of that because you can kind of diagnose it. You can break it down. You can look at numbers. But behind the scenes, and again, you played at the highest level, but you also coached at the highest level with the Lynx. What are some of the intangible stuff that a coach does, that, that Finch does behind the scenes, whether it be relationship building or instilling confidence in guys like Nikhil and Nas that maybe the average fan like myself or someone else on Twitter doesn't always see? You know, I just think it's, it's the way that he embraces um, players and the way that he is able to build relationships and stuff. And um, I think, the, you know, I he- I'm hearing a lot of, of – uh, stories about Bill Belichick that that style of coaching isn't going to work anymore in the NFL. Um, how, you know, I played for Bill Fitch and Bill Fitch was a tough guy and um, he wasn't always um, warm and fuzzy. Um, you know, I played for Don Nelson too, who was, was a player's coach. Like Nelly was, it was, it was about building relationships and stuff like that. Um, I think, I think Finchie does a great job of, of being really honest. I think that's one of the things like what he talks about, like, um, I need to be super honest with you and you need to be super honest with me. We need to ha- you know, be able to tell the truth to each other and, and have it be, you know, sometimes the hard truths too. And so to be able to have those conversations and that's what, you know, made pop so successful um, in, in San Antonio for all these years is that he was able to get on Duncan and Robinson and Parker and Ginobili because at the end of the day, he, they all knew that he, that he, that pop cared about them as people. And when, when they know, um, when they know that you care like that, it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's, you, you have a lot of uh, a bil- a currency to be able to tell the truth with them. So I think for me, that's, you know, that's one of the things um, um, they were, t- uh, Michael Grady was telling me about, um, and Rebecca Brunson was telling me about this at shoot around the other day in OKC um, that um, Finchie like just put his arm around Nas and, you know, gave him a hug and like was and then proceeded to have like a five minute conversation with him about about what he, you know, was, I'm sure, trying to correct in his game and give him some advice and stuff like that. But like, that's the kind of little stuff, the, the relationship building that really makes a difference that allows him to coach guys up. And and I, I that's what I love about him. And it's like we get you. I think Jim or one of you guys a couple minutes ago brought up, you know, the lineup combinations. The San Antonio game is a good example where. You know, we're so quick in today's sports viewing society to zoom in on a micro thing. Okay, it's the second half against one of the worst teams in the NBA, and Finch wants to try a new lineup combination for a few minutes. It doesn't work that well. They wind up losing a game in January. Should Chris Is Chris Finch qualified to be the coach of the Wolves? Meanwhile, <laughs> on the macro side, a year and a half ago, this team made a trade that everybody in the national media panned as one of the worst trades in sports history, right? How are these two guys going to be able to play together? Rudy Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, let alone all the other pieces. Cat and Gobert on the court together this season are a plus 11 points per 100 possessions. Of course, no one's talking about this nationally, but on the macro, Chris Finch has done something in a year and a half, getting those two guys not only to work together, but to thrive together and they're number yeah. one in the Western Conference right now. And we're worried about, like, the five minutes of a weird lineup in the second half against San Antonio. Like, let's let's take a deep breath and look at the macro of what's been accomplished here in the last 18 months or so, Jim Pete. 
Yeah, I mean, just like look at um, all the things that he's accomplished offensively, the three-point shooting, becoming a modern NBA team. I mean, we were always the, – the math on Minnesota uh, before he got here was always at a deficit. Uh, they couldn't stop a three and they couldn't shoot the three. Um, and the numbers, I always say this, like over the years, that you look at the, the franchise leaders in three-point shooting, I mean – I mean, Anthony Peeler's still on the list, and and you know, uh, James Hollywood the, Robinson's in there somewhere. But, I mean, the, na- the names have just—it's just so sad. But Shane um, Heal, Shane Heal, Kyle, Shane Heal. Yeah. Do you remember Shane Heal, Jim, Australian? Yeah, you, Shane Heal is is a oh, legend, okay. man. I, I never okay. was around with Shane Heal, but I remember him. I think he played when I was playing still. So yeah, okay. That's, that's a that's the name he was uh, he was a random wolf of the week about three weeks ago, and Kyle's like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. so you know, Finchie, Finchie's brought us into the modern game, and um, um, the the superlatives that come out like game in and year in and year out, the season in season out, that he's been able to change the narrative of this team. And this was not a good uh, defensive basketball team in, in years past. Even when when uh, Tom Thibodeau was here, you know, Tibbs was supposed to come here and change Minnesota's defense, but he changed Minnesota's offense. The offense was better than the defense was when Tibbs was coach, but. Um, you know, bringing in Rudy Gobert, and what I what I think Finch is special at is being able to problem solve. You know, I think when problems come up, he's able to. You know, him and his staff they put their heads together and they solve problems. And invariably during the NBA season, you're going to have multiple multiple issues that are going to come up. Slippage is going to happen. Um, you're going to go through trends. Injuries are going to happen. It's going to force your hand to do. It's a chess match. And so what I think that Finch is really good at is, is playing the chess game. Of, and, and we saw it in OKC, you know, against Mark Dagnalt, who I have a ton of respect for as a coach. Um, you know, fourth quarters have been an issue. And, and, you know, the one thing that I think Finchie knows is like his, he's boiled basketball down to what's important. And he knows that the arc of a season is long and it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's broad and there's a lot of things that are going to happen. And you'd rather have these kinds of issues pop up during the course of the middle of the season and at the end of the season. So I think you, you build all of this framework of, of experiences as a team and think about what happened at the beginning of the season when Minnesota went, went one and two to start the season. And mm-hmm. um, I think they don't have that run of games after that, that sort of shaky start without the poor start they had transition defense was a problem, you know, being able to, you know, to move the basketball. Some of these things are still a problem, but, Vinci knows that over the long haul, he's going to be able to solve these things because the guys are going to catch on. So we talked about Carl and Rudy year two. It's kind of like the, you know, what the target centers, the twin towers, but I'm a geek for historians and past NBA seasons. You played with kind of the original twin towers, right? With Hakeem and Ralph Sampson. Mm -hmm. So my simple question to you is those guys kind of got all the publicity and all the notoriety and the cool nickname. Were you the Houston Rockets Nas Reed back then? (laughs) <laughs> say that again were you the houston rockets nas reed because it was all about ralph and hakeem yeah. but like you were that third big that's a that's a great question um yeah we you know uh, i just saw um i went to lifetime today to work out and i saw chris humphreys and um he was playing, he was watching the game last night and um he, we were we were talking about nas reed and uh, i said chris i said i said like you know chris became a three-point shooter you know, he's like the evolution of the game. I mean, obviously, when I played, the three-point shot wasn't as big. And certainly, you know, big guys handling the basketball was pretty much frowned upon. Um, and so it's like, you know, get the rebound, throw it to the guard. Well, 
you know, Ralph Sampson, uh, he was one of the first guys. Ralph wanted to handle the ball at seven foot four. So everybody talks about Wembenyama. Um, Ralph Sampson is was more physically dominant. Of course, he spent four years in college and he was, you know, three time college player of the year. Um, so he was more physically developed, but Ralph Sampson was a, a freak of nature at seven four. So, you know, when when Wembenyama does the sham god, you know, that doesn't <laughs> you know, thirty years ago, uh, just because the skill sets have changed. And Chris and I were talking about that and about Nas Reed. Nas Reed is so singularly unique, you know, with his ability to handle the rock and shoot the three and be so uh, efficient, you know, like he doesn't shoot any mid-range jump shots. Like what he does um, in terms of moving the basketball, his .5 mentality, he probably is yeah. the poster child for Coach Chris Finch with the decision-making part of it, the quick decisions that he makes. Um, so, yeah, but he's like when I played with Elijah Wanted Samson, I played my role – and um, I was a fan favorite because of the hard work that I put in. And that's why Nas, that's why everybody loves Nas is because, you know, uh, he's, he was undrafted. He was bona fide too, because he was a McDonald's all American. Like he was, he was all of those, those things that you wanted, went to LSU. Uh, but when you go undrafted um, for whatever reason. Um, and so, you know, people just thought Nas had deficiencies where they didn't feel like they could draft him, but you have to give, Gerson Rosas a lot of credit because he made some decisions back at that time frame that really changed the, the arc of this um, franchise. Picking Anthony Edwards, you know, um, yeah. was not – you can't be revisionist about that, you guys, because it was not a clear-cut decision back when it was happening. Um, you know, LaMelo Ball was was really a, a, a fine player who deserved to be thought of as a number one pick. And I, James Wiseman, we didn't know – what we know now about James Wiseman back then. I mean, there was still a lot of people who thought James Wiseman could be number one. So, uh, but, but like, you know, picking Ant, but, but picking Nas Reed, man. Um, and to have those triple towers like that. And, you know, you, you talk about, you know, Rudy and Katz numbers together, Phil, Nas Reed's numbers have also improved because they was all negative with those matchups. When he played with Rudy and with Carl, mm-hmm. he was, a, he was a negative net player, and so now in all those matchups, he's he's a positive player. He's made himself into and and re-envisioned himself into a power forward who's a, a stretch four who can also switch out and play defense. And that's one of the things you know, I'm really proud of our bigs, man, being able to – even Carl's gotten better at it too. Having the switchability, being able to get out there on the perimeter and defend uh, has been has been a wonderful thing for this team. And that's, that's another thing Chris Finch needs to take credit for. Speaking of Carl, we're a little – over a week removed from, you know, his 62-point performance, albeit in a loss, but a career high for him. So I was kind of looking this up this morning. Does the date March 4th, 1987, ring a bell to you? Because it was the night that you had your career high for a regular season game. Do you know how many points you had as a career high? You know, I thought I had my career high in Sacramento. Um, is you it- played against the Kings. Oh, so it's March 4th, you know, I am 1987. So I'm so bad. I am so bad with my own statistics. I don't – I think my my career high is 24. 28, but the number that concerned me, and you were saying you're at <laughs> Lifetime today, you also played 48 minutes in that game. It was an overtime wow. game that I think you beat the Kings, but 48 minutes is a lot, so I hope you're icing those knees. Still be at 28 <laughs> points, 48 minutes. And then I also saw, too, that – Later that season, you had a career high 16 free throw attempts. 
So you were like the modern day grifter. You were just getting calls like Shea and Luca. Yeah, he got fined 40 grand two nights earlier. Jim Pete did. And the referees listened, probably. Oh, man. You know, I, I am so bad at, at my own statistics. I don't I don't look them up very often. And I don't know. It was just they were giving me a hard time. We were um, talking about the big blow biggest blowout losses in our careers. And so they. <laughs> The guys back in the truck were pulling up all of my career, like the teams that I played on, whether it was Houston, Sacramento, or Golden State. The, the largest margin of, of of defeat for Jim Pete in his career. They were having a field day with that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, hey, just one last thing for you here, and then uh, you know the Flagrant Howls audience loves themselves from Jim Pete, so we will be giving them Jim Pete uh, regularly throughout the rest of the season here. But on Anthony Edwards. Is forty thousand dollars worth it now? Like, can, can we? Here's forty thousand. He, I love what we called his shot, by the way, on the post game with Leah. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna take the fine for what I'm about to say here," and then he unleashes. What's it gonna take for him to get? And I hate being like the complaint about officiating guy, but Cat and Ant get officiated differently, Jim Pete. I don't think I think that's a fair thing to say at this point. What's it gonna take? You know what I would try. I mean, I I. I'm, I'm with them. And I, I, you know, stuck my neck out there myself. Um, and because, you know, Tyler Ford last night, I, we, you know, I pulled him, I said, Tyler, can I talk with you about last, the last game for Anthony Edwards? And he kind of expected it, you know, cause he was ready. He goes, absolutely. Let's talk. And so we were, you know, we were kind of talking um, about the, but the marginal contact rule. And <laughs> I still don't, I still don't accept what is marginal you know, contact. I still don't expect it. I don't. I don't expect to like really kind of get the the, the straight answer from some of these referees sometimes because I still don't understand what he was talking about with marginal contact. But and it's not. It's. I mean, I understand it. It's just not applied evenly. And so, like with Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, I think we've all had our our you know uh, problems with them always complaining because Cat, it's it's split his attention a lot of times. He's not getting back on defense. It hurts transition. It hurts your team. You're hurting your team by complaining so much. And Ant has done the same thing. It splits his attention. It's not, he's no longer focused on the game. He's focused on the refereeing. And when you do that multiple times during the game, it, it just, it's a problem. So what I would try, Phil, I would try maybe not complaining for a little while and see what that gets you. Because you know yeah. what, Shay, Shay doesn't say much. You know yeah. what? I mean, um, and I don't know that I think think of James Harden as a like his peak James Harden when he was going to the free throw line all the time as him as a complainer. Um, you know, obviously Luca complains and he goes to the line a lot. Embiid complains a lot. He goes to the line a lot. But I would I would say that that at the end of the day, these referees are human, and yeah. no one wants to, you know when they're sitting there in their locker room before the game. And they're thinking about, oh, God, i got to deal with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards tonight. You know, <laughs> you know, they're human beings. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, I might try maybe not complaining so much and see where that gets you. And Ant has that side, that charming side to his personality, right? How about just Absolutely. a big old smile, arm around? You know, I got fouled on that last play, right? Huh? I, I, the think, I, think, there's a, I think there's a way that you could interact with referees that they would they would appreciate and they would feel like yeah. you're respecting them more and i think that that would translate into more calls for them i do yeah. i love it that's the that's the mature way to look at this but we that's are good it, life advice just in general stop complaining yeah. <laughs> let's, let's all do it jim peterson joining flagrant house here today it's great man thank you man thank you jim 
We'll Thank talk you, to you again uh, you ne- next week or the week after. Are we are we good next week? Next Thursday? Can we do it? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll gonna, be. I don't know. We're we're gonna be on the road. I think right. Uh, I can't. I think you might be at home. I don't know. But two weeks from now, I'll see you in Portland. So bring your clubs. I'm bringing my clubs. We're gonna go out and play. I'm uh, I'm in Milwaukee next week. Yeah, we'll. I, I I'm gonna be in my hotel room. It's a late game. It's not starting until nine o'clock. So we'll be oh, able to do that's that. That's right. Oh, That's just the you, you all wanted more nationally televised games. And they're like, sure, let's do it. Take a nap, and then uh, nine o'clock we can start these games. Unfortunately, love awesome, it, man. Thanks, guys. Thank Thanks you, sir, Jim, Pete. Thank you. We're gonna keep this podcast rolling here. Presented by our friends Kyle at First Equity Mortgage. In fact, David at First Equity Mortgage is a twenty-year Wolves and Lynx season ticket holder. So you might even see him roaming around Target Center. If uh, if you get to some games here a few years ago, I had an amazing experience refinancing my home with David and First Equity, and you can have the same experience, too. By the way, I was doing some counting and uh, First Equity over the last 10 years or so has handled home loans or refinances for 20 of my coworkers and friends. So I don't know. We got we've got like a roving stable of people that have had great experiences with First Equity. If you would like to experience what we experienced femort.com that's femort.com or scorenorth.com keyword david Uh, also our friends at zero res are here to help you deep clean your disgusting carpets (laughs) your clogged up air ducts so here's what you do call 952 zero res or go to zero res and say you want the score north special which is three rooms zero resified starting at just 119 dollars and a free hallway too Plus $75 off when you get your air ducts zero res clean. Again, you have to ask for the Score North special. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero res. That was great, man. Yeah, we're going to try and do this as many Thursdays as possible with Jim Pete between now and whenever the uh, Timberwolf season ends. He's been he's uh, just been gracious enough to say, yeah, I'll come hang out with you knuckleheads for, for the rest of the season here. So that was a blast, Kyle. He's- He's just the best, right? And even those answers he gave to silly questions we have about real basketball or non-basketball, he'll, he'll just, he gives it to you straight, right? He's the perfect example of someone who tells you what you probably need to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear. And he, that comes off in the calls too. I mean, again, I, I do think your, your broadcast duo should have a Homer lean because they are, you know, covering that team, working for that team. But if you go listen to some other teams on League Pass, I mean, it gets so bad. Yeah. We're not only in, are Jim and Grady educating you on things, I mean, that window concepts when, when Jim takes you into a play or they have Mike Honori on or whatever. Uh, you learn a lot, but you also get, you know, especially for a team that for most of these 35 years has been really, really bad. You get honest, critical feedback and, and analysis. And that's just and he's just a great guy and he's been around. And like you said, he's played at the highest level. So he has an idea, right, of what a Twin Towers lineup can do both positively and negatively. And he's also coached with the Lynx for all those years, and they're winning all those titles with Cheryl. So uh, he's the best. We'll have him on uh, as much as we can. And I think it is kind of disappointing that he just comes onto a podcast and is already better at it than us. It's like, what can't you do? Like, he's going to go probably shoot like a 200 today. This is a mistake weather. by us highlighting just how yeah, this reminded me about how bad I am at this, but uh, he's the best <laughs> good friend uh, and I'm excited to keep having him on. So, and, uh, and we will get to a random wolf of the week here in just a moment with our uh, producer extraordinaire Ross, but couple, I would say a couple of, for very different reasons, just really nice palate cleansing wins for the Timberwolves for sure. 
to beat Oklahoma yep. City without Mike Conley. And then, yeah, they kind of play with their food in the first half against the Dallas G League team last night. But then they wind up just dunking on those dudes in the third and fourth quarter. And anytime you can get like seven minutes of Luca Garza, a Cigarza game, <laughs> sign me up, baby. And, and again, never tell fans how to fans. I think, though, we can tell friends how to maybe be on social media or whatever. Last night was another great example of, hey, you know what? Maybe don't tweet during the game. Because Just wait till the fourth of, quarter. Here yeah. come the same old wolves in the second quarter. And it's like they won by thirty-four. Hey, like they were. Who's they, got two thumbs and learned his lesson earlier in the season? This guy right that here. Guy. So no, I mean a good <laughs> a good palate cleanser. I think you're right. I also it was an important win, even though it was the Mavericks JV team. Alan Horton had this today, but uh, we're only two or four more days on Sunday night. The NBA standings will you know be what they are and that's when you'll know who's going to coach the all-star game in the east and west and i, I should ask jim this but i think it's really important for finch and his staff to to get that honor and to coach in that even though as i joked about on tuesday you probably have to spend your weekend in indianapolis and not boca raton but uh yeah i think they basically just need to win on friday at home against the magic or on sunday at home against the rockets to kind of clinch that one seed in the west yeah. as of february 4th so and then tonight too a little bonus we'll get a all-Star Reserves tonight. We already know the starters, but Anthony Edwards seems like a lock. Maybe Rudy Gobert, maybe Carl Anthony Towns. So that'll be fun yeah. fun fodder uh, as well moving forward. Yeah. So let's let's bring him in here. Bring Our him. guy, producer extraordinaire, Ross Brendel, everybody, for a random Wolf of the Week. I'm going to take a page out of Jim Pete's book. You know, I often complain about having to do this podcast and be a part of this podcast. <laughs> These two I will clowns. complain no longer. It's an <laughs> honor to be here, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. No, we uh, we love having you, Ross, pushing buttons and slicing and dicing things behind the scenes. And you've been preparing the 11th ever Random Wolf of the Week here. So we we had our 10th one. Now, Kyle jumped out to a 4 nothing lead right away, man. It was like it was kind of like Mavericks JV team against the Wolves last night just <laughs> coming at me. Uh, I've won the last two here. Derek Rose, Robert Covington, Greg Smith, and Shane Heal are the last four <laughs> random wolves of the week. Kyle has a six to four lead over me in the first ten games here. Uh, Ross is going to throw out a series of clues. We get we get to shout out answers whenever we think we know. If one of us hits a third strike, though, the other person wins automatically. So just be careful with your aggressiveness. I thought about just yelling out Jim Pete to start to be like, did Ross just time this up? But I'm not going to do that. That's Does he not official. count as a random wolf of the week? Are we doing coaches, broadcasters? Oh, no, that's a good point. No, we better not because then it could get really in the weeds. But, he's you know, an in, in random of Viking, one of us like a year ago threw out Daryl Bevel. As, it was, it was <laughs> yes. the first ever non-player. And there was definitely some contentiousness. So we'll stick with players for now, but maybe we can expand out at some point. I'm ready for this. Are you boys ready? Let's do it. For clue I think so. number one, there is a discussion to be had. I've now seen this in a couple of comments, by the way. So think about this, okay? Is this Wolf of the Week or is this Random Wolf of the Week? So you guys think about that. How do okay. it's how are we I mean, positioning this? Well, it's the game is called the Random Wolf of the Week, but it can be any play. It doesn't have to be. You know, you can still choose Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Okay. They it's don't the Catalina have to... wine mixer. We do it every year. I yeah. think it's the phrasing 
of the question, I'm going to start referring to the wolf of the week as this random Got wolf it. of the week. Yeah, okay? I think ran, ran, random's in the brand. It's in the brand. All right, let's do yeah. that. This random wolf of the week gentleman was born in the state of Georgia. This random wolf of the week born in the state of Georgia. Hmm. Hmm. This random wolf of the week no longer plays in the NBA. Okay. Okay. This random wolf of the week no longer plays in the NBA. Hmm. I don't know. Do you have any guesses yet, Kyle? No, this huh? is this is it gets so hard. I, think I have one. I think I have a guess. <laughs> Throw it out there. I dare you. We'll see. We'll see. I dare you. <laughs> I triple dog dare you. <laughs> this random wolf of the week averaged 8.7 points per game over his 13-year NBA career. Interesting. 8.7 points per game over a 13-year NBA career. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. This Wolf of the Week attended college in Macon, Georgia. In Ma- Macon, Georgia? Macon. Macon? Georgia. You're making this real difficult. As in M-A-C-O-N. I like what you did there, Kyle. <laughs> no, Very... I don't. Cut that. I'm so not proud of that. It's been a long week. Kyle, you ever been to, excuse me, you ever been to Tennessee? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're the only 10 I see. Okay, yeah, I, can well, okay, that's... I can play this game all day. It's the end of uh, Flagrant we... House for the day here. We appreciate you guys podcast joining has us. been canceled. Uh, <laughs> Ross, was that 8.7 points for the career? Per game for the career. Okay, got Correct. it, got it, got it, got it. Yep. And Macon, Georgia is where the college is. I don't want to give you the college because I think that could give it away. Well, it's not uh, – It. yeah, I'm trying to think. I feel like I know where the two big colleges are in Georgia. What am I – after playing for said college, this Wolf of the Week had their jersey number retired. Okay. So this player had their jersey retired by this college. I would think if you went to the NBA, if you went to college and then went to the NBA, there's a good chance your jersey should be retired, right? Unless it's like Duke, Kentucky, you know, those places. That yeah, yeah, that's a good hire. point. Oh, like, Sheldon, like Sheldon Williams, probably, probably not retiring his jersey. Duke right? would have to start using emojis on the on their uniforms. They'd run out of numbers. <laughs> that's a good. No, that's a good point. Will yeah. Avery but, but, has but his like, no jersey retired. I think if you I think if you go pro from like D2, like, you know, like University of North Dakota, if anyone plays in the NBA, they should have their jersey retired. But that's a good point. Or Macon State. Yeah. <laughs> Macon State Macon University. Macon like A&M. This Wolf of the Week gentleman was drafted in the third round oh, of the now, NBA okay. draft. I see where we're going. Yes, there. you heard me correct. The third round. This sucks. I have, I'm more confused than ever. Kyle gets upset when he doesn't think he no, can I, win. That's what I, I love. So about you know what? I, I just looked up a player. Sometimes I go down like basketball reference or football yeah. reference rabbit holes. I just looked up a player for some reason a couple days ago that was a third round draft pick in the NBA. And I can't, it wasn't a Timberwolf. It was somebody else. But like, Would it help if I give you clue number seven? Sure. <laughs> this Wolf of the Week played for the Wolves in two 
different stints. Two different stints. And I already butchered it. This random wolf of the week played for the wolves in two different stints. Wait, is, uh, oh. I love oh, when he played longer. He played close. longer. But he lives in, I think he lives down there now. I think he's, I think he might be. Hold on. So he would have came in and this is so hard. I want to point out when Phil says, hold on, he yes, doesn't get to cheating. tell me yeah, whether you don't I have to hold on the yet. next clue or not. I'm going to fire a guess off. I, I'm going to fire a guess off. Uh, the guess number one for Phil Mackey. Is, is it Sam Mitchell? It is Sam Mitchell. Let's go, dude. Whoa. What? Whoa. 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 This has oh, gone so man. downhill ever since I was just embarrassing Phil. Oh, don't look yeah. behind you, Kyle. He's basically crawling up your back right now. Wait, so wow. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, Sam, I am green eggs and ham, as Ross, Kevin Harlan once famously said. Ross, rip through those clues again just quickly. Just yeah. go. This wolf of the week was born in the state of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Random wolf of the week. No longer in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Averaged 8.7 points per game over his 13-year career. That college in Macon, Georgia, anybody want to guess what that college is? You will have heard of it. I'm cheating now because I'm on his Wikipedia page, but Phil, do you have a guess? It's not It's not Georgia. No, it's... it's... Is it... Uh, so, he real quick, he does a ton of stuff for NBA TV, which is based in Atlanta, so... Right, I'm pretty sure yep, NBA yep. TV studios are based in Atlanta. So I like I know he like lives in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know. It's not Georgia Tech. Mercer, mighty Mercer. Mercer. There you go. And then we had uh, his jersey was retired, drafted in the third round, and two different stints. What did it for you, Phil? What got you yeah, down? It was path? okay. It was a few, okay. It was a the few things from Ross. I like, probably did it. <laughs> I love how Kyle thinks. Okay, Kyle, all so hotty. Take, Takes a four nothing lead and thinks that now I'm cheating. Um, I want to so point out if I'm going to cheat for anybody, by the way, it's going to be for Kyle. Yeah, That's right, buddy, <laughs> bring it on. So, all right, I love when we unpack. This is like the random wolf of the week post game show that we do every time. <laughs> when we like, so uh, what were you thinking there on that third clue? Boy, I got the towel. So, okay, eight point seven points a game says something, right? At first, I was thinking like like an Anthony Peeler type, just a guy kind of off the bench. A role player. So it's a role player. We know that. But it's a role player, but it's more than just an obscure player. So it's not like a Greg Smith or an Omri Caspi. Right. So it's a real NBA player. You you play 13 years, average nine points. Like, you're a real NBA player. So that was it. Then you said third round. The Georgia thing was a little bit of a tell because he, he definitely lives in Georgia or Atlanta area. You said third round, meaning old school. This would be yeah, like that's a good point. mid-90s, maybe late-90s Timberwolf. And then you said two different stints as a Timberwolf. How many? How many two different stint non like schleppy players? I mean, Anthony point. Tolliver was a two stint wolf. That's a good. Yeah, point. I, Sam I, Mitchell was a two stint wolf. You know, we're all learning. You know, you guys are debriefing here in the post game presser. I'm also learning. <laughs> maybe that. Maybe that clue could have been a little bit later on. You know, maybe maybe to give Kyle a fair chance. <laughs> I don't know. I, the producer didn't give us no calls. I know I'm gonna get fined. <laughs> The, the cheating A producer. Yeah, cheating cheat blank producer. I, I, My brain is so dumb. No one listening to this is shocked by that. But I have like dead end syndrome where it's like once I think of something like Wordle, five letter word, I'm just stuck on it. I know Malik Beasley is from Georgia and was averaging like probably on his career, it's got to be like a nine point guy. 
but then when you start saying like two stints and not in the league, I was like, oh, I, it's only Malik Beasley and he's in the league. So uh, let's play. Okay. Let's let's play okay. a, a weird gun to the head game. Gun to the head. How many points per game Malik Beasley in his career? Total. Like his whole career points per game. Over four thousand, but less than five. Po- po- no points. Uh, points, oh, per points, points per game. Points per game. Um, yep. I think Malik Beasley. Ten po- No, I think it's got to be single digits. I would say. I would say nine. It's eleven. Wow. Eleven, dude. All right. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of other fun uh, Sam Mitchell stats for you, by the way, or just things of note. He played in 994 career games, so just six shy of 1,000. That's pretty cool. I wore number 42 for the Wolves, if you remember that. I think he had a different number for the Pacers, maybe eight. He wore a different number for the Pacers. An original Minnesota Timberwolf, by the way. Yeah. And here's one of my favorites to plug our own. This was going to be your final clue, which I knew we would never get to. In December of 2023, this random wolf of the week told Darren Doogie Wolfson on the Score North Scoop podcast that he had he been the head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, he, quote, absolutely, end quote, would have brought Chet Holmgren to the U of L. We'll never know. We'll never know. That's right. I think Chet wound up making the right decision. Like, didn't he play in a final four and then immediately got drafted second overall or whatever it was? Somewhere else in the Matrix, Sam Mitchell led the Gophers to at least a sweet 16 with Chet Holmgren. That's that's my favorite way to analyze anything is just being like, if I was in charge, I would have have drafted Paul George over Wesley Johnson. But they didn't give me an opportunity. Yeah. There. Boys, no complaining. This was a fun one. Thanks that was good. For, good job, Chris. Good stuff, boys. Good job. All right. Jim Pete, thanks for joining the Thank show. Jim. Producer Ross. It's getting tight. Kyle still has a lead, six to five, but the uh, the walls are closing in here. If you could give us a five star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and click the like button and the subscribe button on the Scornarth YouTube channel. This is everyone's favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagrant Howls.